yeah, getting this thing started. Um, give us a little bit about what the Temple of Akasha is all about and what inspires you to create behind that. So um, Temple of Akasha kind of evolved from my original, my original offering or my original sharing, which was Undefined Life. And that was kind of my first attempt at trying to just be visible with my own perspective on my journey and what I was learning uh, with regards to awakening or remembrance. And then at some point last year, I recognized this urge arising in me to start shifting from this less defined, I would say almost kind of maiden-like view of the world to a more solidified, anchored, embodied take on my spiritual journey. So mm. I'd spent probably seven years prior to that, really on a more transcendental journey, had gone, having gone, gone through a very intense Kundalini awakening and a lot of, um, I would say a lot of kind of really ungrounded uh, experiences and life was teaching me to start descending the consciousness that I'd accessed into this human experience instead of trying to escape it. And Temple of Akasha was kind of born out of that descending journey that I'm now on of really trying to take everything that I learned, I guess, from undefined life of being just exploring consciousness, exploring um, spirituality, so to speak, and then actually taking that and beginning to take all of those fairly abstract concepts, ideas, experiences, and anchor them into something tangible so that we can start to bridge the human and spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and Temple of Akasha is, I think, my soul's um, kind of the divine feminine signature of my soul expressing. And that is the portal through which I do it, or I'm attempting to do it. <laughs> I think you're doing a pretty good job. Thank you very much. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it seems like you went from an undefined life to a more defined life. Mm. <laughs> so to say. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think that it's kind of that paradox, right? Because we can never actually um uh, conceptualize or contain the essence of who we are in any one notion construct word and yet simultaneously i'm finding that the more embodied i become the more anchored i am in this sense of my essence which is uncontainable and undefinable and yet somehow even more assured it's a paradox yeah. but that's what i'm finding and undefined life was very much me in that seeking state both seeking the existential experiences and existential understanding, but being very ungrounded in that seeking. And Temple of Akasha is a more, not suggesting at all that I have the answers, but just a, a more assured sense of, of the journey that I'm on now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, you've probably come to find that in one way or the other, um, the, the human, the human experience is, uh, is a creative experience. Right. Like yeah. we are um, through your creation and other people also have creative abilities as well. But through your creation, um, you've probably come to find that like in the midst of your creation, that you are just innately a creator. You know what I mean? Like it just mm. kind of flows. Like it's just like a, something mm. that just happens. I believe that every single human being has that. Like every single human being has some kind of effortless flow of creation whether it is making youtube videos um baking cakes 
making houses, writing books, whatever it is. I think every single human being has some kind of innate creative uh, purpose here. And yeah. and uh yeah, I guess it's up to us in our own accord to be able to find that. Um, yeah. 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 I agree. And I think I think actually I'd never ever considered myself a creative person growing up even into adulthood. I never uh, my stepsister and I are similar in so many ways, but I was always I always considered myself the more intellectual academic Mm-hmm. uh one of the one of the siblings and she was always to me the very creative one and i'm realizing as you said in my own exploration that our ideas around creativity are still so limited and conditioned to mm-hmm. you know you can only be a creative if you're an artist or this or the or that or the other but actually i'm finding that creativity is just the natural outpouring of our beingness like we're kind of creating whenever we're not really in locked into the realm of the mind because creativity is innately innovative and it's innately um a kind of there's an innate novelty to creativity so it just it it happens in the beingness in us just being and flowing with what feels right and there's no there's no right way to be creative so it's funny that you say that because i still don't consider myself a particularly creative person but to me i make videos and youtube content and stuff mainly because i just love it for me that is my way of being creative i'm not an artist yeah. traditionally with a pen or a paintboard or whatever but i do love i do love this process yeah yeah it's a new kind of creation that's for sure mm. you're a content creator <laughs> mm. <laughs> but it's also more than that it's more than just that label um but yeah, it's um it's a it's a different time to be alive in terms of creation because we all have the ability to create something and uh, we all have the ability for others to view the creation pretty much mm-hmm. for free. I mean, yeah, you do need some kind of technology, but it's uh it's unique. It's definitely a unique time to be alive in terms of creation, but also many other uh, layers and levels. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So what do you um how do I put this? I was gonna say, what do you create for? But maybe a better question is like, what do you create about? Like, what? How do you? Uh, you know, what? What's the message you try to convey to people? I think that's that's changed over time. I think before I was trying to c- communicate, um, I suppose that there is. Actually, on some level, I think I was trying to communicate that I'd figured it out. I think a long time when I was creating from Undefined Life, there was this sense that I thought I'd figured it out. There was a lot of spiritual ego attached to that, to that kind of phase of my experience in that I thought I'd figured out the spiritual path. And I think I've been really humbled in the last few years and recognizing and really having to come become aware of my own egoic spiritual, you know, the spiritual ego structures in my consciousness. And I'm realizing that there is, there is no right way. There is no right way to do this human experience. There is no right path. No one, there is no right way to live. A person doesn't have to be spiritual. To me, the, this whole experience is innately spiritual. Mm-hmm. It's, it's energy collapsing as matter. Like, there's we can't disentangle the two so it's like there's no right way for me the content I'm sharing is just to hopefully inspire people to connect to their own knowingness their own heart's wisdom about what feels right for them and their own way of living and actually it's really kind of the antonym to the message that I had before which was like I think I know the way and now it's like I don't know but you know 
your mm. your innate being knows the innate yeah. being awareness within you knows not like this this knows mm-hmm. so um I, I mean i don't tend to plan content i film and i write on instagram whenever I, there's an inspiration i've tried to be formulaic with my content in the past especially with instagram it just doesn't work for me it's empty Mm -hmm. it's dry it's hollow again if we're talking about this being a kind of more creative process as opposed to something that i'm doing with a practical or pragmatic goal to me it's it's dry and it does it lacks the heart it lacks the juice of creation if i'm doing it um for any other reason other than to create and to create from a really kind of like pure space so i think the message it's really overarchingly one of empowerment or that's what I'm trying to convey anyway, that we can be as someone that has been through a really um, like tumultuous experience of what it means to be human as in within my own internal landscape, like 10 years of really severe mental health issues. I want to convey a message of empowerment that it's possible to liberate ourselves from um our stories, narratives, and the actually the self-imposed chains that we find ourselves bound by. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that comes across, I don't know, but that's that's what I'm more and more anchoring myself towards. Just let your heart lead the way. And really, I think as we're, I'm sure you're aware, um, you know, we're moving into this age now. Pluto in Aquarius, Saturn in Pisces. We're in these kind of astrological periods now where we're moving away from um certain paradigms or people having dominion over what it means to be like what the right way is and i think that i went through my own process of having to witness my own spiritual ego and then beginning to unpick and dissolve that and i think that this is what's going to continue to happen within our community as well recognizing that no one person has the way to me, this human experience is almost like a buffet. We get to pick and choose in each moment of our unfolding beingness yeah. what feeds us. And I'm realizing in my journey that things that fed me and nourished me two years ago can now be a limitation. And and actually things that didn't resonate two years ago that I did not connect with, I could not find any kind of uh, resonance at all with, are now I'm now ready for. So I think for me, it's just this continuous unfolding of recognizing that we are fluid, flexible, adaptable, organic beings. And there's no, there is no right way to do this journey. Just keep, just keep listening. Yeah. Well said. Mm. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I find that the, uh, the journey or the path is, uh, it's really about what's best for you. Like Mm. what's truly fulfilling for you. Uh, I like to think that we have uh, not only like a food diet, but like a whole energetic diet. So in terms of, you know, the media we consume, the people we hang out with, the food, yes. um, But just everything that we intake, it contributes to what we output. You know, we're like an input-output machine in terms of our energy, almost like we're like a membrane in a way. Mm -hmm. So I feel as though the path that not only you and I are on, but other people as well at this point, it's, it's refining that it's refining the input so that we can output a little bit better. You know, yes. that's, it's a very, that's a very simplified model, obviously, but uh, I think that's kind of what this, what's going on right now is we're just figuring out what's good for us, you know, and that's how we uh, right. create a better life. And then ultimately 
ideally in this new age, we're moving toward create a better world. You know, but uh, yeah. Yes, I really love that. I really love that. Yeah, that resonates deeply with me because I think understanding how to be effective and impactful with my energy and to really uh, become refined. That's the message I keep getting uh, whenever I'm kind of creating content and whenever I'm connecting to to guidance. It, it's always about refining what it means to be a conscious human, refining this technology, right, that we have, this kind of multidimensional technology that we have access to. We've been operating from like a we could say like a really kind of basic operating system and we're going through an evolutionary process now that's upgrading that operating system that's kind of bringing more aspects of our being online yeah. um do are you familiar with human design do you have you explored it as a system or not really i've heard about it and people have given me the like what my design is and i thought it was quite interesting and actually quite uh quite relevant but i've yeah. never really explored too too much about it um yeah why do you know is that one of your things well that's just i'm not i wouldn't i'm no, by no means an expert but it's just something that has really helped me to with regards to what we're talking about with regards to energy management and becoming more effective with our energy type it's really yeah. supported me because i've been really highly sensitive my whole life to energy to the degree where I can feel um, EMF radiation, I can feel 4G, I can feel Wi-Fi coming from wow. devices. I can also feel, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna mention that here, but there's, I can also feel um, what I assume is the protein being shed from those that have been- Don't say the B word. <laughs> Off the bleep that up. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> actually, I had the one jab. of my videos. Yeah, I had one of my videos get taken off because someone was talking about that. Um, okay this is a video from last year from like a year and a half ago okay it's wild, it's wild. so we'll, we'll we'll say the jab or i'll just <laughs> yeah just, <laughs> i mean uh, i don't want to i don't necessarily want to go down code. that rabbit hole but it was just to say like i'm so sensitive to energy to a degree yeah. that has for most of my life been overwhelming and so disempowering and it's like how do i function in a world where no one seems to even acknowledge that there is like an energetic undercurrent to all of this, mm. where that's really what I feel first. That's the kind of language that I communicate in and understand most, most kind of uh, most natively almost. And so human design has supported me to become a little bit more aware of my, my I'm a projector in human design. So we are typically more, um, uh, we have like open centers, so we tend to be more absorbent of our environments and the energies in our environment. And that to me has has gone some way to explaining my sensitivity to energy and then also helped me to understand my role energetically and why I was never able to maintain the nine to five momentum of generator types of like the 70% of the population who are here to just, I don't want to say be the worker bees, that's not to be demeaning, but they are the ones that are here to build, to create. I, li I like to call them like the marathon runners. They're here to do in a consistent way. They're the doers and people with my energy type, the projectors, we are not, we're like the sprinters. We're here to do short bursts of quality work or sharing or contribution. And then we need to rest. Otherwise we get really burned out. Mm -hmm. And so human design is just one of the ways that you can understand that. But for me, that's been like a really helpful thing to understand that, oh, I, I actually, from an energetic perspective, I, I do function differently to, you know, a lot of the people around me, which would explain why 
I can't emulate other people's way of being and I'm not supposed to. Um, So what out of interest, do you remember what you are? If you said it, I would know. Um, Manifesting generator? That's it. (laughs) No, 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 wait. Isn't there like four? There's reflector, projector, manifesting generator, generator. Um, I believe that's there, the four main types. I think it was manifesting generator, to be honest mm. with you, because I remember it was like two words, <laughs> but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, it depends on the kind of more, there are kind of finer characteristics of each of the aura types, but manifesting generators are supposedly subsets of the generators. So you still have a more, you have more defined um, energy centers and motor centers, which basically means you have more sustainable um, and more sustainable kind of flow of energy in your body. You may mm. not need to maybe rest as the projectors do in this kind of start stop fashion um your aura type will tend to um like your aura type is way more no it's not your your aura type is more oh that's why so your aura type the manifesting generator aura type is a bit, bit of a weird one the generators are really open the projectors are really like focused and penetrating so we're really good at like getting deep with people manifesting generators can be a little bit like you they're kind of hard to pick it's almost like they're supposed to just float through life doing the things that they love and they catalyze things happening in the world they kind of start they start they get things going they're the catalysts um but they can as i said depending on certain features of their profile they can operate a little bit like projectors too like my my design type Mm. so it it, they're kind of they can be a bit of a blend of both the generator and the projector depending on your characteristics i mean i haven't focused i've looked a lot into generators and projectors and the others are not so relevant to me because i'm not really here to serve people that aren't um i either serve the projectors or i serve the generators and you're kind of a you're kind of both um but yeah it's uh it, again it's like we got to take these systems with kind of um i say a pinch of salt to see what feels what feels relevant to us and but i found a tremendous amount of relevance in in that married with because it is kind of a combination of astrology and the chakra system it's a really it's an interesting fusion and i found a lot of wisdom in it Mm. yeah that's what i thought was cool about it it was like it was like a model uh within models it was like well there was models within that model as in like Mm -hmm. the astrology and chakra system it's pretty cool Mm. um yeah but either way it's just a model you know at the end of the day you got to just go with what you what your heart says what you feel Mm. you felt that you were different from a young age, right? You said yeah. and, uh, feeling energy. Um, that's that's different. It's almost like a sixth sense, you know. Yes, I've always had that as well. I've always felt like, um, yeah, I just read things differently. And I don't mean like read as in like literally reading. Like I could just read situations and people and events differently. It's almost like a form of um, omnipresence. Not quite though, not like, you know, in not quite omnipresent, but it's like you know, touching upon that. It's just like seeing mm. and feeling life a little bit differently. It's uh quite peculiar. But yeah, I've always had that as well. Just being How does that to- how does that kind of how do you receive that in your body or being? Mm, that's interesting. Um it's just more intuitive. It's like before before say somebody says something or before I see something, it's just, it's almost simultaneous to that, but just like another layer to that. So like, say somebody is saying something, Mm -hmm. um, 
I can see what they really mean, you know, Ooh. or I can feel what they really mean, or, or even if it's just like, uh, I don't know. And I, I can feel music differently too. Like music is very, very poignant, very, very powerful. I always felt like I've, I hear music differently than other people. Like there, I think it's more like for me, it's actually very auditory. I don't know how to explain it. Just uh, mm -hmm. like sound is a lot different to me. And, you know, when people speak, obviously that's sound. So I can just, I can hear people's words. I can hear their soul in a way. It's very yes. strange, very strange. But um, yeah, it's almost, it's just something that I've always had and been, been able to tune into the world a little bit differently through that. Um, yeah, it's like a superpower. <laughs> I usually try to keep it on the DL, don't really talk about it much, but it's it's the same thing. It's just being able to, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, just feel outside the five senses, you know, have like the sixth sense, like I said, and interpret the world a little bit differently within my being. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I find, I mean, I this is not to be hierarchical in this, but I tend to find more in the work I've done and clients I've worked with, the more evolved the soul, the more access they tend to have to these um, less conventional um, abilities or skills. And I believe that every human has the capacity to open to their multidimensionality, yeah. but depending on how far along the person has in terms of, you know, being, coming into contact with their, with their true nature, with their own exploration, being their deconditioning process, Will allow them to access those abilities or not so um yeah i think a lot of i don't i don't mean evolved you know i'm sure you know what i mean but i don't mean evolved in a in a hierarchical sense just those that have maybe been <laughs> been on the wheel a few more times yeah. <laughs> you know and have had to refine their consciousness through their through their incarnation journey they have um learned to hone or cultivate these these kind of extrasensory abilities so that's interesting that you that you see that because I think really what we're uh, what I feel in this evolutionary journey as the kind of veil thins between the world of spirit and the human experience is that we are those of us that feel the, the non-physical or the energetic really what we're feeling into is the the organic nature beyond matter right yeah. so maybe as you said a person is speaking certain words they're saying something but really what we're feeling or hearing is the actual kind of organic energetic signature of their expression yeah. is what they're saying truth is that i'm mm -hmm. the same as you i can usually within myself and others detect how much they're in an egoic consciousness how much they're in contraction versus how much they're coming from their hearts mm -hmm. and it's just it's not really what they're saying or how they're presenting physically it's really that energetic undercurrent that um is a, there's a signature behind uh the physical material presentation yeah. um mm -hmm. that's so that's interesting that um, i mean i'm not surprised by that with you but it's just interesting that we all have our unique way to to read this world yeah interesting uh choice of words with signature i like that there's a signature behind it like a vibratory mm -hmm. signature behind things yes where it's like beyond um yeah it seems like it's like it's it's uh, in layers you know and the, the material level seems to be the grossest layer it seems yes. to be the lowest layer i mean maybe there's lower ones but it seems to be the ones that we can interpret 
is uh, the material level being the lowest and there seems to be at the higher energetic levels. Um, it, they're present, but it's not quite seeable or hearable. It's like you have to tune in differently. And yes, see the, yes. the signature comes in simultaneously, but yet you might miss it if you're not quite present enough or if you're not quite refined yeah. enough in your being. It's the, yeah, it's peculiar. Yes. It's peculiar. And the thing is, it's like nobody mm -hmm. teaches us that that's a thing or nobody teaches us how to really go about that and have these CDs, as one may call it. It's, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, it's quite, it's, it's an interesting time to be alive because we're all, we're finding out what it really means to be a human being. And maybe we all have these special innate abilities. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know what else to say. I'm kind of at a loss for words, to be honest with you. Mm. But it's, uh, it's just a peculiar time to be alive because we're really figuring out, we're figuring out uh, what this whole organism, this mechanism of the human body is really about. And it's uh, way more than we've been told. It is. <laughs> it's way it's more yeah it's and i think well. it's just getting started that's the thing i agree i agree <laughs> the party's just starting <laughs> and it's funny because that that's that what you're pointing to there that experience of the multi-dimensionality of of life that really came online after my kundalini awakening and that was that was something that i think perhaps i always had some degree of contact with being fairly clairsentient and feeling the world quite strongly energetically but that multi-dimensionality the layering of the yeah. present moment became even more strong after the kundalini awakening in a way that was so because again we don't have any training there's no education around this it felt so like bamboozling yeah to the human it's like so i'm in the present moment but simultaneously to what i'm experiencing physically there are these other dimensions there are other qualities to the present moment that i'm feeling into yeah and what i'm learning to do now with my menstrual cycle what i realized one of the gifts of being a woman that has a menstrual cycle and that goes through this cyclical cyclical almost like vision quest every single month is that during the times of bleeding it acts as a chamber to really descend into that the feminine pole of my consciousness which is the oracle which is the connection to spirit which is the connection to the non-physical and i notice that it it it's not every single month because I don't always, I can't always drop in. It's such a subtle level of being that I can't always drop in if I'm not fully present and I'm not fully attuned. But every month I'm using my menstrual cycle as a way of descending into this multidimensionality so I can really feel like the fullness of the present moment. And it's in that, in that beingness, like I'm starting to use that as my guide to like see how how orientated to truth I am, like how orientated to, to truth in my being have I been? How much have I allowed myself to get attached to a certain way of being this month? And this month has been a real challenging one. So I can feel like I haven't been able to drop in and I can feel that I'm then clinging to like more of an egoic layer of consciousness rather than really accessing um, what I feel to be the true, the true kind of expansive nature of of the soul's intelligence mm. so it's a it's an interesting i, f I feel very honored in, in that way being a woman it's a very interesting um journey each each month yeah. it can be <laughs> it can be <laughs> that's quite interesting <laughs> yeah um i feel like 
a lot of people don't talk about that. The differences, because obviously there's differences, and especially in today's world, we don't like to recognize the differences between the sexes. But there's definitely a difference in the journey of the human experience, but also probably in the spiritual experience of the human in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, just what happens in our bodies and the differences in the organs that we have and how that contributes to, um, yeah, at, at the energetic level, at the vibratory level, like how that contributes to how we decide to uh, digest the world and interpret the world. And mm. uh, yeah, I don't, I don't hear a lot of people really speaking about that. But there's okay. definitely, there's definitely got to be differences. And even though there's a, probably a lot more similarities between the path and the spiritual journey, there's definitely got to be differences between a man and a woman. There has to be drastic differences in how we interpret this, this, the, this, the spirituality, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I've never thought about that. I'm glad you actually brought that up. I've never really. I feel for me, I'm someone that has really been schooled um, through a very intense soul connection with a man. And so I've been really learning um, about, the polarities of consciousness which are obviously not assigned to just a person's uh, biological sex or gender but they, they tend to be you know masculine consciousness tends to be more prominent in a male uh, generally speaking and, yeah. and the other you know the other kind of side to that is true and so i am i'm really becoming very aware in my own lived experience of the innate differences that we have and i think that they're important and necessary and i mean this is a whole other topic that I, maybe we won't get into today but i'm really wary of and against actually the homogenization of, of humanity which i see playing out as part of this strange absurd kind of of Kind of path that humanity seems to be taking when it comes to identity and when it comes to trying to understand our humanity and trying to you know it's almost like in trying to find equality and trying to find um uh, like an honoring we've we've decided to just homogenize everything yeah. and because we can't seem to find respect in binaries we can't seem to find respect in polarization and so i think like there's a higher there's a higher frequency to what it means to unify. And then the lower frequency expression of that is the homogenization of humanity in a way that doesn't actually regard our natural differences um, and just tries to over, tries to bypass them as opposed to include them in the human experience as necessary. So it's, you know, and we've got the whole transgender thing and we've got all this kind of just identity politics unfolding. And to me, it's really like a, i'm very very passionate about it but it's very it's for me it's very very potentially dangerous especially for younger generations to to not be taught that there are innate differences and that that's okay and that those innate differences don't necessarily define they don't define our being but they're a part of our experience and it's like how can we learn to express our innate truth within the vessel that we've been assigned mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um so yeah, it's a it's a very deep and complex conversation that whole journey. But yeah, yeah, I think you said it well though. But yeah, that is a rabbit hole in itself. Um, it, it, I do ultimately believe it's destructive as well because our differences are beautiful, and yeah. we're it's like we're being told that our differences are not beautiful. And yeah, we are becoming. Uh, I don't know. It's like. Uh, unconsciously homogenized even though it's probably deliberate 
it's probably deliberate at one level. There's probably some kind of strange agenda behind it, but ultimately, I don't know how or why or where it comes from, but ultimately I do think it is destructive because we do have innate differences, like God-given innate differences based upon maybe one would say karma. Um, mm -hmm. And if we ignore that, that's only going to dig our hole even deeper. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that's just one of the growing pains we're going through right now because yeah. the thing is, it's like we do, we are figuring out that we do have some kind of sense of similarity between us. You know, we're figuring out we're all one, we're all in this together. Yet it seems like on the other side of the coin, we're, we're going about that in the wrong way. Like the right way, in my opinion, should be we figure out we're all one, we're all in this together, we all, we're all in the struggle with our differences. Not like try to, not try to like negate the differences in that and yes. i don't know yeah you know what i mean it's only gonna bring 100%. about it's only gonna bring about more yeah just noise and just stuff that people don't need it's a lot of bullshit to be honest. i honestly i feel like you and i are on the same thread because i feel exactly the same that like what i was saying about the higher expression of this un unification is an acknowledgement of our oneness at the deeper level right yeah. and what i think is playing out is the immature um sh shadow if you like expression of trying to be unified in our experience so for me it's almost like humanity is going through a maturation process with our evolution yep. from being almost juvenile with our consciousness and so just as we would when we're transitioning from like childhood to teenage years and teenage years to adulthood we we have to trial and error we have to experiment we'll often go through kind of polarizing experiences to feel what it's like to move beyond our comfortable parameters and i'm noticing with many things like our relationship to food, the vegan movement being like an extreme swing the other way to mainstream kind of meat consumption, for example, the same thing when it comes to identity politics, it's almost like the pendulum is swim swinging away from the conditioned conventional normal standards in a in a juvenile i don't want to say juvenile to disregard those movements but it's like the collective's kind of immature attempt to find yeah. harmony and unity but yeah. it's not the highest expression of it yet yeah. it's like we have to go through these swings in, in consciousness to feel our way this is my embodied journey anyway it's like I've been schooled through polarity. It's like I swing from mm. one thing, I go to the other embodied experience and I feel what those things feel like in my body. And then I start to understand, well, that doesn't feel good in my body. That doesn't feel like truth. That doesn't resonate. Neither does that. And then you go somewhere in the middle and you start to find your own personal sense of balance. And I think humanity is going through the same thing, the yeah. swinging of the pendulum where we've gone through like on some level the collective is aware we're on an evolutionary journey we're all part of that evolutionary journey and so it's like the collective is finding its own way of expressing that and its initial attempt to express that is like there are no genders <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> the fact you have a penis doesn't matter and it's like <laughs> we're getting there we're getting to this this place of like okay we're understanding we're more than maybe the physical body yeah. like when i'm because I, I studied english language and journalism at uni so i'm fascinated by you know, people's um, people wanting to kind of innovate language when it comes to like pronouns and things like this. Because to me, uh, I'm I'm both highly in some ways like 
like what's even the point you're trying to contain the essence of who you are in a language which is inept at doing that anyway mm -hmm. um but at the same time i'm also seeing like oh this is humanity's attempt at trying to break free of maybe these really binary restrictive standards that we've imposed on ourselves based on kind of the mind's you know structures right and egoic ways of being so it's like i see that we're trying to innovate but I, yeah. for me it feels like it's we're not quite we're not quite hitting the mark yet but it's yeah. like we'll get there we'll get there it's just a bit of a roundabout way yeah i agree yeah if you want to get back to the layers thing it's almost like hmm. it seems like humanity is going about it at the wrong layer when it should be at the energetic consciousness level we're trying to change it up at the material level when it doesn't work like that yeah. that's that's a backwards way of thinking it's like you change your consciousness yeah. and then the material follows suit when it seems like at the material phenomenal plane, we're trying to do that here first. And that's what's immature about it. That's what's kind of unwise, you could say, about mm. the way that's, uh, I mean, I think it's the intentions are pure. You know, I don't think anybody's really trying to, it's not like, you know, malicious or, but it could be destructive. That's the thing. It's like, you know, mm. the, the, the path to hell was paved with good intentions, right? I think we've all heard that one. So I think the intentions are pure behind what people are trying to do with this, uh, you know, the whole transgenderism movement. Um, and also like to say, I've never spoken about this. So this is quite interesting for me <laughs> to, to touch upon this topic. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you brought this up, but I think the <laughs> intentions are pure, but I just don't think we're going about it in the right way. And it's just happening so quick. And yeah, I don't know. We're, we're going through a lot of changes. I guess we could sum this up as humanity at this point in time. It's a interesting time to be alive and we're going through so much change so quick, like so much novelty in such a, a short span of time. And I don't think it's, it's like we're able to, I mean, we are able to, but we're not used to this change in such a, a exponential span of time, an exponential change in such a, a short amount of time. And mm. it's just, um, I don't know. It's just tough for us to digest. I don't know if the human brain is, if you're not, um, if you're not on the path per se, is quite fit to be able to um, deal with these changes. So mm. it's just causing a lot of conflicts, whether it's through people, whether it's internal conflict. It's just, um, it's just a lot of conflict right now. But I think ultimately that conflict is going to bring about a sense of harmony. And uh, that's just, for some reason, that's how humans learn. That's how we learn. We, we learn through, we, we find harmony through conflict. For some reason, we have, to, we have to know what we don't want in order to know what we want. You know, mm -hmm. we need to have a sort of sense of imbalance to, to bring the balance in a way. That's just, for some reason, how this reality works. You know, through the yin and yang, you gotta, find the dance between the two and then in the dance is the balance you know so i think yeah. that's what's happening right now it's there's this it's a peculiar time where we're just the balance is just it's just every day that goes by we're, we're it's it's finding some kind of equilibrium somewhere hopefully at the yeah. at the end of the rainbow we'll find <laughs> we'll find <laughs> the equilibrium we'll come out the other side a little bit more balanced but i don't know i don't know what else to say i think that's the that's this, the, the tumultuous times that we seem to be living in, the, the chaotic times that we seem to be living in, I think, mm -hmm. ideally, ultimately, are going to bring about a more balanced and harmonious time that I think is more aligned with our natural state. And I think it's, mm -hmm. it's, 
it seems chaotic and tumultuous and imbalanced because we've been so off our rocker for so long. Like we've been just living in such an unnatural state. So us coming into this sort of um, uh, newfound state, which isn't really even newfound, it's a, it's a remembrance of what it really means to be a human being, is ultimately mm. going to be messy because we're just we're reaping our karma, one could say. And in that, yeah. there's, in that shedding of the layers is just a lot of stuff that we have to go through. And that's at a personal level. Like I think yeah. anyone can attest the dark night of the soul is very similar. You know, we have to, when, mm. we, when we're really remembering who we are and shedding the layers and the whole spiritual path, it's quite messy, right? It's not really the, it's not really the easy route per se, but it's worth it. So I think um, at a collective level, the same thing is happening. It's like a collective dark night of the soul, I, I believe. And then yes. ultimately, I think we're going to shed these collective layers and come out the other side and hopefully, ideally, um, be a more harmonious people. I, I believe that. And not only do I like believe that on a surface level, I feel that, like this is going to sound corny, but I feel that within my heart. Like I feel like that's just like, that's just happening at this point. I don't know how else to put it. It's just like, I feel like humanity is just going through this collective refinement that is uh, ideally, I know I've said ideally plenty of times, but I tr truthfully believe that we're approaching this like heaven-like state. And uh, it doesn't seem like it, but I do believe through the, the chaos, we're going to reach a sort of harmony. I don't know how mm -hmm. long it's going to take but I think we're going to get there. Do you think we'll yeah. get there? Like, do you think that's what's happening right now? It's like we're building a better world, a better people, a better collective, a better human experience, you could say. Do you think we're, we're doing that? I think that that's a potential. <laughs> I think that's a potential um, experience. Um, I mean, it really depends on what school of thought or even like what sense you're approaching this from, because, you know, there are, if you look at like the yogic system, there's, there are suggestions that we're living in the age of Kali Yuga, right? And we're in the, we are in the kind of the, this is the, the disillusion of humanity. This age is marked as the disillusion of humanity. Um, uh, but maybe that, you know, we could see that as being um, destructive and perhaps something that feels really negative. But actually, based on what you've just said, actually, I, I personally believe that this process of mess and chaos is the process that we move through in order to then be rebirthed into a more evolved um, kind of collective state, or at least that's the potential. What I think with humanity at this stage, I feel is that um how do i there's just by the way i'm going to just say this and like put a voice to this i've got a lot of like i've got a lot of third eye and crown activation speaking to at the moment so i'm trying to just like stay in my body i'm not entirely sure whether or not i'm supposed to channel something right now but i'm trying to like stay in my human experience and not get too connected to that but it's just based on what we were saying before it's a really interesting experience where i'm like there's stuff coming through and then there's also the human that's trying to like, do human things so um if anyone noticed that like i just had like a bit of like a weird wobble thing going on with my with my eyes and stuff but anyway like what i feel for humanity is like 
and maybe you've seen this in videos I've spoken about. I don't know if you watched the content, but I, I feel into the, to the evolutionary process like a spiral. And it's like, if we look at a spiral kind of wider at the bottom, and then we've got the kind of peak point at the top, we're moving from duality to singularity, right? And so to me, the evolutionary process is a refinement of that. And so the ideal experience is that we move to a place of embodied an embodied understanding of the singularity, right? Of the oneness, of the harmony, you know, the harmony, the unification of 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 our consciousness. Um, and but in order for us to do that, as we're being schooled on the earth plane through duality, that's part of the lesson of being here on earth. This is really what it's it's for. We we get schooled in duality. That's how this realm works. And so in order for us to, as you said, come back to kind of a state of natural balance, we kind of have to go through these extremes, um, which look chaotic. Whether humanity, because we've been through these, we've been through these cycles before. We went through this with Atlantis. We went through a really big evolutionary um, upcycle, if you like, and we didn't quite, we didn't quite make the grade to be able to utilize very advanced technology in a way that was going to benefit the species. And so we saw the disillusion of that, of that civilization. And I think that humanity, I feel deeply that humanity is at a similar choice point now mm. where I, when we're looking at things like AI and again, we're in Pluto and Aquarius. So we're looking at like the, the real very quickly now with the next 20 years, we're going to see um, very radical shifts in our, in our, in technology and the way in which we're operating as a species. Do we have the ability to hold that level of technology and that level of advancement in our consciousness at this point? I would say no. And I was, that was funny that we're kind of onto this topic because I was really thinking about this earlier when I was something came up about AI and it really got me thinking like for us to for us to be able to utilize the level of intelligence that's available with the AI in a safe way that's actually going to advance the species and not destroy it we need to have a certain level of consciousness that's not driven by the egoic consciousness it has to be driven by a wisdom yeah. and understanding of the capability of AI right and so that we can so that we can balance the infinite potential of AI with this kind of groundedness of our humanity and this recognition that this is something that maybe we can utilize for good but without again like a child right if we're not a child or a teenager going through their own process of exploration something that has like a car if you're driving a car you can drive a car safely you can drive a car recklessly it's like how are we going to choose to operate this technology mm -hmm. um i don't feel that the collective has at this particular moment the level of consciousness needed to hold ai in a safe way and so i see like multiple timelines potentially for humanity but i i i am choosing to embody what i feel is my highest potential and to pursue that for myself and to to connect with and create communities that um envision the same knowing that we are um we are just uh you know aspects of the whole hoping that that then creates a kind of uh, a vibrationary a vibrational wave into the collective that supports our ascension in an organic uh, nourishing way but i do think that we really are at this tipping point where it could go either way you know, it's yeah. very possible that, as Kali Yuga states, we could be seeing, you know, this whole age suggests that we have descended essentially into kind of like the most um, 
the most kind of heavily identified state of consciousness possible with the ego and therefore the most removed from our truth and this is a really dangerous place for humanity to be we when we get cracked open by what's coming for humanity in the next couple of decades because there are going to be really massive i feel very big shifts for the collective financial collapse possible alien intervention hmm. like there are going to be things that i think could rock the collective and it's like during that cracking open process are we going to allow that cracking open of what was to um birth a new potential a new state of consciousness for within the collective or are we going to descend and and devolve mm -hmm. um so it's like we you know who fucking knows i mean we've got to sit back and just grab the popcorn and see what happens really because yeah. it's just it's just what a wild time to be human <laughs> yeah to say the least mm. Yeah, it's like a test. It's like a big test. And humanity has yet to pass the test. Yeah. So it seems like, we, and we've tried. We've tried plenty of times, it seems, in the past. And uh, we haven't got the message yet. We have not got the message yet. And um, What do you think is the message? What's the message? What's the message? That's, I mean, again, it like it's almost like for there to be a message, there'd be a sender and a receiver. And maybe the actual point is that there's no separation. There is no sender and receiver. There is just mm -hmm. the isness. Like maybe that's the point to recognize, like to move from the idea that there is a separation. Yeah. I right. Agree. And it's like to move into the embodied state of unity, which is my path. That's the path that. Um, I've been schooled on with within my own experience and within certain connections I've had. It's just coming into harmony within. Um, and for me, that's what I feel is being asked of the collective too. But it's like there is, if you, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to say that I don't have faith in humanity because I've personally evolved very quickly in a short space of time. It's possible for, you, for humans to evolve quickly. Um, and I think that the events that are going to come for humanity in the next couple of months, years, decades will force humanity mm -hmm. one way or another. So it will force humanity's hand. Like, are we going to choose to use these these events that are coming to to catalyze growth and to really begin begin to embody our potential? Like, as you said, suffering chaos tends to be a prerequisite for growth. Are we going to utilize these experiences or are we going to collapse under the weight of them? So. I don't know. My my hope and my intention for my life and my experience is to embody the heaven frequency, is to embody that frequency and the vision that I'm sure you and I and many like us have. Um, we see the potential for humanity to move beyond a very, um, like move beyond the animal programming, move beyond the animal, uh, purely identifying with the animal body, which is one aspect of the human experience but not the totality of us and it's like for as long as we're still operating from the animal programming right like territorial egoic consciousness because the ego is inherently intertwined with the physical animal consciousness for as long as we're in that space we will never be able to to create the heaven the heaven realm here on earth or at least embody and anchor it yeah. so it's like can we one of my one someone that i watch a lot um a chat um from i think it's called golden shadow astrology now i'm not sure um the, someone who talks a lot about human design he talks about there being three part, parts of the the human there's like the the animal the human and the angelic it's like we are 
there are these multiple facets to our consciousness and it's like coming into harmonious balance with all of them, not disregarding one, not favoring another, recognizing that we are, we are, a, we are a marriage of all mm-hmm. these different aspects. Yeah. Um, and that's certainly what I'm realizing in my own journey now. It's like, oh, like the things that maybe I shunned years ago on my, my spiritual, like the spiritual seeking um, part of my journey, you know, I was really seeking the angelic, I was seeking the cosmic, I was seeking the transcendental. I realized that that was, I'm realizing now that was only half the picture because mm-hmm. I was denying the innate feeling, the innate expression of the body, the innate, the innate movements that come with what it means to be anchored in a physical body with, with a biological system, right? With a nervous system that is responding to its environment. Um, and so how can we descend that loving, angelic, aware consciousness into the human experience, into yeah. the animal body? That to me is, is the marriage and the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen to that. Mm, I think that's mm. what's happening right now. I, f- I feel as though we're at a transitional stage in uh, in our evolution. You know, we like to believe that evolution has ended in a way. Like this is it. We got it all figured out. We have the internet. You know, we have uh, we have AI. We have Google now. This is kind of it for our being. Um, but no, like I said before, I think the party's just getting started. And I think okay. really what's happening is that we're uh, we're transitioning from that animal, like the animal. We were off balance for years, and um, we're transitioning from that animalistic behavior, the animalistic instincts, the very territorial, egotistical, uh, t- uh, just way of being. And then we're we're finding mm-hmm. out that we are actually part angel. I think that's what people on the path are finding out about themselves but ultimately yeah i think we're all going to find that um there's more than meets the eye there's more than just the body i guess you could say there's more than just the wants and needs of the body and we're finding out the angel the spiritual is used to balance that out it's used to um yeah it's used to i guess find a more sense of a sovereignty so the body the ego doesn't quite um call the shots so strongly anymore you know yes you can respond differently to um yeah just all the stuff all the noise that comes up all the conditionings a little bit differently but mm-hmm. like you said we're not negating it it's not like completely get, getting rid of it because we're still for as long as my vantage point is in this body and i'm you know i'm, I'm gonna have those animalistic instincts it's, it's gonna yes. it's just gonna happen um, we're, we are animal we are part animal but mm-hmm. I think it's like, yeah, recognize and respect that and then respond differently. And that's our place right now. It's like we're not quite, even though as much as you want to be an angel, right, as much as you want to be this very high being, we're not quite there yet. So if you try to be something you're not, that's only going to cause more distortion in how we act mm-hmm. in the world and in how we feel ultimately. So, yeah, it's know where we're at right now and i think no where knowing where we're at is knowing that we're in this we're in this transitory period like evolution is not yet done we're we're still we may maybe our angelic future is true maybe we will be these like light beings i do actually believe that i do believe we're gonna we're gonna um somehow morph into this state of consciousness that is truly unfathomable but i'm gonna try and speak about it uh it's like this 
it's like this being that is we slowly like metamorphosize, I guess you could say, out of the body and more into a state of consciousness still, but it's like less less gross. You know what I mean yes. by gross is like less material. Like we're, yes. we're just slowly getting there, but we're not mm -hmm. quite there yet. So yes. like we have we got some stuff we gotta work out. <laughs> so it's like I guess keep that keep that in our heads and our hearts and our souls and let that lead the way. And slowly over time, over lifetimes, we'll become that angelic being. But like, if you try to do that now, it's only going to cause more distortion because we still have to work out how to how to be a human. You know, that's why we came in, right? That's why we came into these human bodies so we could experience, like, and express. Yeah. Like, that's that's one of the things I've realized that this human experience offers the angelic you could say the angelic consciousness it's the ability to be embodied in all that it means to be in physical form all the beauty and all the pain right like the yeah. richness that is offered in being a human i don't think is actually can be matched in any other plane right? in terms of the richness of experience yeah. right because there's so much polarity here and what i'm finding on my own journey is that um in ch just choosing to seek the existential or the angelic we do bypass the human, the human needs, the human expression. And actually there is, there is a real, like there's something very satiating about, for example, let's say anger. Anger is an emotion that I have experienced a lot in my life that I'm moving through a lot. I'm moving through a, a lot of like really dense childhood experiences that were really unpleasant. And there's a lot of anger arising in, in the recognition of those experiences and anger is something that just as a society, we just don't know how to hold anger. We don't know mm. how to hold and make space for anger. We have created a a kind of um, a sense that anger is wrong, that anger should be contained um, and that it should be denied. And actually, I'm realizing that anger is a gateway to us reconnecting with our personal sense of power. And so the the balance is being able to both honor the animal that wants to express anger, because to me, anger arises when a boundary has been overstepped. Anger arises as a sign to take action when something feels invasive in an unsafe way. So we need anger. Um, and at this, as you said, for as long as we're in physical bodies, as long as we're anchored to a physical plane where there are potential threats to our existence, we need boundaries. We need to be able to understand that there's a difference between you and I and someone who's driving a car at 60 miles an hour who might like crash into this human body and like destroy it, right? We need some degree of singularity, a healthy sense of singularity, which is what the ego gives, gives us. If we're entirely identified with that, what happens is we we become reactive as the animal does we become in, we become like locked into that reactive sense of consciousness right our emotional responses drive us yeah yeah and so the angelic consciousness gives us the opportunity to love and hold and space for the animal expression without being consumed by them so now like i'm finding in my journey and to me this is the feminine way this is the feminine this is the feminine uh, honoring like the feminine consciousness which is which is expression which is what we've been really severely lacking in our in our in our collective uh, consciousness for, for thousands of years it's been denied it repressed oppressed which is why to me there's so much imbalance and it's so this emergence of understanding that our expression is not wrong but it's also recognizing that 
what what moves through this human, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, not to attach to them, just to allow them to be, as we know on this journey, it's the allowance that is powerful. Can I allow this anger without resistance, without attachment to it? Can I allow it to just be a natural outpouring and recognize that in the movement of that energy, there'll be an emergence of something. We'll make it, we're making space for something. It may be grief and sadness that usually hides or shame even that hides or lies underneath anger. Mm -hmm. So it's just allowing without judgment, without judgment. And this is where the kind of existential work, this is where the spiritual work comes in handy when we're dealing with the, with the gross stuff. (laughs) The gross stuff. And the gross, the gross, you know, (laughs) mundane stuff. Yeah. 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 And I feel like in that allowance, the recognition, the allowance, comes a different response you know if i get angry maybe if i wasn't wise enough i I'd, I'd respond in a way depending on the situation but you know I'd, I'd respond more violently or i would respond by saying something i don't want to say mm-hmm. and i feel like when we become a little bit more wise and uh, we recognize the energy like you said that's moving through us we let it move through us a little bit differently and less destructively. I don't know how else to put it. Like it seems just like the whole mm. path is about being able to just respond differently. It's being able to digest the energy a little bit differently so that we um yeah, we just we're just I don't know how else to put it. I, I guess yeah, more wise in the way that we act with the world so that mm. we hopefully make a more conducive life for ourselves and everybody, you know? Mm. I think that's what it's about because I don't know what else, what else would it be about? Like, I think ultimately it's like, we're becoming better people. Uh, so yeah, we, we have to, I don't know. I've become these like energy conduits that is just more, more fluid, but it's like, it's, it's hard to explain because yeah, we, we allow, we recognize without judgment, but then there's also still a, like our body still responds in one way or the other. So I feel as though a path is a combination to that, that point of response. It's, it's that point of reaction or responding, you know, do I respond violently or do I respond in a way that is, um, I don't know. It's just quite different, just a little more peaceful, a little more loving. I feel like that's really what this comes down to is being able to have that, that split second discernment. In whatever moment, whatever the the circumstance or the situation is, Mm -hmm. is to be able to come into that and respond differently. And Mm. I think that's how we change the world and change ourselves. It's in those little moments and those those little, those little like uh, the the speck of time where you can come into that and have that response to say, am I gonna (laughs) am I gonna punch this person in the face or am I gonna you know respond a little bit differently? Maybe. Uh, you know, punch a punching bag or something, you know, obviously that's a good example, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's, it's Mm. being able to just, um, change how we feel. Yes. Change how we judge it, but then also ultimately change how we act with the energy. Mm. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Reacting. They said, you know, this is, I guess, spoken about a lot in this community, the reacting versus responding. And that's what awareness gives you the opportunity to respond as opposed to just react. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
and that's I think that's a really good example with something like anger when we're in a when we get triggered which we often do in kind of relationship you know it's like we're going to get angry at times so it's like do we spew that anger which is usually just kind of an unconscious projection something much deeper within ourselves do we spew that onto the other or do we check in and say okay there's a lot of anger arising right now if we recognize that our orientation point is love that is the angelic that is the angelic potential. And I think you and I both feel that. We speak about love a lot, that mm. the kind of orientation point of this experience is love. Yeah. And that's what we're being asked to evolve towards to embody. So if that's the orientation point, is me spewing anger onto this person the most loving choice or is the most loving choice to take space, to to, to acknowledge my anger uh, and to, you know, not to deny it, to suppress it because we don't want to, we don't want to harbor that level of energy in the body. I've seen the destruction for myself, what it does when we try and contain these really big, these big energetic, you know, emotions, but we allow that to move in whatever way it needs to move. And then we come back to, to, to the, the dynamic from a less uh, reactive place. So yeah. it's, um, I think ultimately for me, this whole experience, we're being asked to like, how much love, how much love can we bring into this life? Mm -hmm. How much love can we bring into what it means to be human? Um, how much can we let love hold what it means to be human? You know, and that that is the place I've landed at in my own experience of going through a lot of polarity is recognizing the only thing that can hold this human experience is love. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's big enough to hold everything that it means to be human and what is what is experienced here on Earth is unconditional love and not the love that we're obviously conditioned to to know and experience the Disney romantic, which I would argue is more of like an attached uh, codependent love, but like a, an unconditional boundless loving presence. That is the only yeah. thing that can hold all of this experience. Yeah. I think that's truly what we're here to learn how mm -hmm. to do is mm -hmm. to love through our suffering. It's yes. Like, it's yes. Like, it's like throughout the, the darkness and the turmoil of our life. Can you love? That's the test. And I feel as though yeah. we're always tested. It's like, can you love in this moment? Can you love this person that you think isn't you, that you think is so separate and different than you? Can you love them in this moment? That, you know, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with forgiveness too. Like, can you forgive? Uh, mm. Can you forgive this person? Uh, it, it, there's a lot to it. And obviously it's love beyond the concept of love and love beyond the, the, the symbol of love. It's, it's hard to explain, yes, but I think that's really what we're, we're here to do and that may seem like the biggest cliche in the world and yeah we've we've spoken about it plenty of times but i really do believe it's the truth we're all here mm. to become embodiments of some kind of loving force and that's quite I beautiful agree. right it's quite beautiful <laughs> that it's it's not it about, it's not about fear it's not about competition it's not about uh that that general angst that we all feel with each other it's not about that whatsoever really behind the scenes it's about love <laughs> yes it's quite, it's quite beautiful like you know I, is there I a moment in your life where it just like it just hit you that 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 that's what this whole thing is truly about it's truly about love and maybe you could even say god is love like was there a moment when that uh had th that revelation dawned on you and you had some kind of epiphany that it's all about love <laughs> I would say, are you familiar with the twin flame journey? I mean, there's a lot of this that floats around in, in the spiritual community and there's a lot of 
misconceptions around this path but I've met some I have someone on my my journey that I would consider a twin flame someone that um it has been brought into my experience as a mirror like to to move in a very specific container that is schooling us both in how, how to be embodiments of love and um I would say that in my connection with this individual because of the polarity and the karma that we initially moved through um like when I met this individual, that was the first time that I experienced God through another person. Wow, that's powerful. Uh, yeah, that was the first time that I, the love that I felt for this individual, um, and the, and it was beyond, it was beyond attraction, it was beyond a, a knowing of the person. It was um, an expansion of the heart where uh, the person became an actual portal for me to experience the divine, yeah. and so that that connection has um for me more than anything actually but more than my kundalini experience this connection has uh truly helped me to come to this realization that this is what we're here for it's to um uh, both experience like the undeniable heavenly bliss that comes with having a, an open loving heart and being able to hold ourselves and another in, in love and to be able to exchange that to give that to receive that like it's just it's just um it's heaven but also being able to oh maybe an eyelash <laughs> like being able to hold like during those times of intense suffering as you said being able to hold that in love like yeah. that's where that's where the real growth happens that's where for me um this for me is where the embodiment has started to come in it's like recognizing like can we love all of this yeah. um and for me this is self-love also like i really this connection and then simultaneously the work i've had to do on myself as a result of it it's really helped me to understand what self-love really means and self-love even like you know obviously there's so many connotations attached to that and it's for me it's just can we embody that loving presence um, and can we let the container of that loving presence, which is non-physical and so is kind of a holding space for this human, can we let that loving presence hold what it means to be human, what we're experiencing it as the human, which can be really, really painful. And, and I know in my own experience right now, since the eclipse portal last October, my life has been wild like in terms of my internal state and the stuff that I've moved through, the content I've moved through. And I, this is the first time in my life where I've gone through real, real depth of content, like really very, very deep childhood trauma, which uh, a year ago, two years ago would have completely like um, crushed me actually. Like I would have just been, I would have been unable to function, unable to work, unable to do anything. Yeah. The thing that has changed is my ability to, hold compassion and love for myself and for all of the human tumultuous stuff and to not judge any of it as wrong, to not attach to any of it as being my identity and to just love it all. And not like in a, you know, in that state. And to me, actually, like if we're trying to, with language, contain like what does unconditional love mean? To me, it's like radical acceptance. Mm -hmm. It's an accepting, like that's the closest like synonym i guess for unconditional love to me is an acceptance not resignation but an acceptance in this present moment of all that is yeah. and to me it's like when we bring that kind of presence to our experience like we can truly like begin to um we can truly 
we can truly move through this human experience with like um with a wisdom and with a knowingness that that we will be okay regardless of what it is we're experiencing because we're holding ourselves love is holding us god is holding us whatever you want to say so I, i don't know if there was an acute moment for me where that that knowingness dawned but i would certainly say that in connection with this other being there has been like the recognition that fuck like love is like when the heart explodes with that kind of love it's like well jesus like love is love is it love is the way love is how i yeah love is the way (laughs) it's so true yeah oh man it's such a beautiful dawning to know that that is the truth and um you know we can say it but saying it doesn't do it justice like truly feeling that and having this just intuitive knowing of that oh man it's like a blessing it's like grace Um, yes and even if like somebody said gary you're crazy what like what do you mean love is the truth look at the world man it's so dark like there's nothing there's no evidence per se that could take that away from me you know to know that love is the way there's nothing that can take that away and that yeah that's grace that's a blessing like no matter what no matter how dark life gets no matter what happens in my life you can always come back to love man and i know this may seem may seem a little cringe may seem a little corny but it really is the truth and i wish i could give that to everybody you know what i mean <laughs> i wish i i wish i could just uh give love to i mean i guess you could give love to everybody but that 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 dawning you know like that knowing I wish everybody could know that it's going to be okay at the end of the day, right? I wish we could really all know it's going to be okay, but it's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy, yeah. you know, but it really is. Yeah. It's true. I mean, just, I, I know my words don't do it justice, but for you and for anybody listening, um, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. No matter what we are held in, in the, the hands of the God of love at all times. We always were, we always will be, and we always are. And it might not seem like it at the material level, but at a deeper level that goes beyond words and goes beyond visual and auditory phenomena, we are somehow held in this boundless, eternal, loving force. Yes. It's beautiful. It's quite beautiful knowing that. It's almost like a sense of immortality, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's that's so beautiful, Gary. I mean, I feel like that is, that is it like that. And that is, I think actually perhaps the gift of us being on our journeys at this time and being able to connect with and contact that, that knowingness or or that, that gnosis of love. Mm when we have connection to that for me it's like when we have i've had a tangible connection to that and when i continue to be connected to that it's like this is what drives me it's like well if i can go through like you know at times i was suicidal and if i if i can go through experiences feeling completely hopeless and giving up on life and to then come back to love and to know that there is that it is going to be okay that that beyond my conditioned responses, beyond my fear, beyond beyond all the stories, 
that there is actually a presence. There is a love that's holding all of this. And I just have to allow that presence to, to, to just be with me, to be in my, my experience. It's like, I think the reason that we feel this uh, as we do in this moment is so that we can, in our own unique way, gift people with um, experiences that will help them access that knowing too. So maybe uh, us just being in that state in conversation with someone helps them to access that vibrationally, you know, and then maybe whatever else we do in our world that we feel guided to do, you're doing your podcast, which I've no doubt is, is activating people in their own way. The work I'm doing, the work that many others are doing at this time, it's like in our own unique way, once we connect with the knowingness that love is the way, it's like we will find our own unique way of helping other people to activate that and access that within their being. And to me, that's what drives me on. It's like knowing that, knowing that for myself, knowing how much love can hold within my human experience. To me, there's no way that love couldn't hold what's what's happening for the collective right now. We just need enough humans to embody that knowing mm. and then the scales will tip. And I think that that is what the awakening is happening. That's what's going on with the collective awakening right now. Like I'm seeing so many light workers, if you like, people who are here to access and embody that that unconditional love frequency first, right? To have that knowing, that contact with it in, in, in the felt sense perspective, like to know that and then to start being in the world from that place. And then that is how we shift this. It's kind of like the what's that analogy or like the hundred monkeys on the island like within mm. when do you know what i can't remember i'm like it's like a vague it's a vague thing it's like there's like a tipping point there's a tipping point that i think will be reached vibrationally when there's enough of that anchored here in the human yeah um and i i say you know i was speaking earlier about the doom the destruction the potential disillusion into like apocalyptic conditions because we're just you know we are there is a lot of ego identification but i also see a tremendous amount of love um uh being accessed by people in the world you know and it's like through the adversity love is the only thing that can hold it all when you look at natural disasters and things that happen in the world that are really painful what is beautiful that comes out of those experiences is how much the human is moved to show love to give to give support to nourish one another in times of hardship and it's like love is the force that binds it all together yeah mm-hmm so it's like we just doing as much as we can in each moment to come back to that mm -hmm. um and for me this human experience is really like about deconditioning from all the stuff that obscures that knowing in the heart um and it's and i'm realizing for myself because i'm moving through some intense stuff and i can feel at this moment in my lived experience my heart isn't open fully and um, there's a lot of like there's a lot of guarding here i usually can tell because i'm very normally connected to nature so i went out into nature today and uh, the nature's beauty didn't seep into my experience as it normally does and i can so i know that there's like a kind of wall around my heart and how much i'm really feeling life yeah. but it's like what and, and i think when we get into that space when we're disconnected and the heart's closed people give up they fall into depression they fall into like helplessness hopelessness and i guess what i want to share with anyone listening if they're in that space is that it's the consistency what we're being asked to do in these spaces is to be consistent with our practices consistent with choosing to orientate towards love even when we don't feel it yeah. choosing to orientate towards faith even when we don't feel it faith, and actually yeah. like 
to me, what I'm seeing in my experience is the thing that's shifted for me in the last six to eight months is being consistent with the stuff that I know, I know reconnects me to truth, even when I'm in, even when I'm in like fog, even when I don't feel and like, even when I don't want to get up and move my body, even when I don't want to meditate, even when I don't want to like express how I'm feeling because feeling pain is uncomfortable, honoring those things that truly connect me to the truth of, of who I am that creates the pathway back to ourselves mm -hmm. in those moments of disconnection. And it's the consistency that gets us there. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. That's so true. Mm. <sighs> I don't even know what to say that. That was well said. Yeah. Be in the world. Not of it. Be in the world with love and not mm. of the world. Yeah. What, what connects you to love, Gary? Like in your lived experience? <laughs> mm. uh, whew, that's a that's a tough one <laughs> there may not be any one thing yeah i mean just generally doing these things with people you know i feel like having these kind of conversations are very loving but also regular conversations as well i just like connecting with people in one way or the other and it could just be you know, at the coffee shop saying hi or holding the door for somebody, telling them to have a good day. It's just general connection with another point of consciousness and yeah. actually like recognizing them as much as I can in the moment as just a, a living being, living a living soul. That's like my test, it seems. Yeah. To connect with love is to truly connect with love, like right in the moment with another person. If I can do that, if I can at least attempt to that that's how that's how i feel i connect with this loving force um mm. it's just with other people you know yeah. uh, but i don't know i guess other than that other than in the moments in my interactions general meditation mm. uh just being able to find that center you know just breathe find that center know what's real uh, meditation is so useful also I mean, uh, mushrooms, magic mushrooms help me connect with love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's for sure. They have in the past, at least. If there's one mm -hmm. thing from the external that has opened me up to the internal world, it's uh, psilocybin. And I think anyone that uh, has tried psilocybin can attest to that. That opened me up to the realization of love. Um, psychedelics, I will always revere for that. They opened me up to the idea of love within myself. Um, so there's that. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. And honestly, I feel like that's a whole, that's a whole conversation in itself. Like what opens this up to love? That's, that's a deep one. Ideally, like you said, yeah, everything could be everything. Every single moment could uh, potentially open me up to love, but primarily it's interacting with others and truly in, in whatever situation, whatever, whatever circumstance may come about, being able to see into them, see through, not through them, because that sounds like, that has a negative connotation, like I see through you, but it kind of is. It's like seeing through the facade of the body and like seeing their soul. See if I could do that in whatever moment and getting rid of any kind of, uh, any kind of uh, bias that I may have toward a person by based upon what they say or how they talk or how they look or, whatever, whatever kind of, you know, what's that called? 
yeah, when you when you judge somebody, like judging a book by its cover, you know, try to get through that and just actually be with somebody in a moment. That's mm-hmm. what connects me to love. Um, that is love, I feel as though, is to really just truly be with somebody for they could be talking about the dumbest thing in the world, you know, the most like <laughs> mundane, like something I don't even truly care about, but just truly listening to somebody. That's mm-hmm. that's my test of love. Um yeah. 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 That's beautiful. And I feel like, isn't that what it's about? Because I think we can, I've noticed this, like in the spiritual community, we can kind of want to, I think we can almost want to make these experiences kind of exclusive and like, oh, I'm going to bring love to like this particular soul dynamic or like to this particular like ceremony. And it's like, or to my healing space or whatever. And it's like, we've got great teachers that have walked before us like Jesus, like who there was no social media profile. There was no, you know, there was no, like he was out there doing, being the embodiment, walking, talking embodiment of love. And he was doing that with the people that crossed his path in from every walk of life. And it's like, is that not really what we're here for to just, can we bring that consciousness into, into our experiences and that is predominantly relationally right like that's how that's most where we're tested and i it's funny that because i in my projector profile like for human design i have a hermit line so i do tend to really want to be quite reclusive and i also have another line which is really like social it's a bit of a kind of uh, a bit of a like a wall within me sometimes and it's funny that many times I've I've kind of glamorized in my mind this idea of just being really reclusive and almost like I call it monk on a mountain syndrome like wanting to kind of um, just pull back from the world the chaos the drama the pain and just being in my own experience and it's like but actually aren't we here aren't we here to to be able to pour this love into into our life and into the experiences and to, to and to allow that love to fu- to to fuse with whatever it is that's unfolding and we can't do that if we're isolated we can't do that if we're in hermit mode away from the world choosing not to engage and it's like i think that that's the biggest test for light workers right now it's to the tendency to want to pull back from because we feel the pain of the world so acutely and it's actually like can we bring the love that we feel innately in our hearts into this experience yeah. can we that's that's the, the the biggest test and opportunity right now um and i think that that's yeah i think you said it beautifully that it's it's relationally in the everyday moments not exclusively for one person or one experience it's like with the stranger on the street yeah 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 because i think speaking from personal experience i i used to judge things like this isn't spiritual you know, mm-hmm. they're talking about sports, that's not spiritual. I don't want anything to do with it. But really, one can come to find that everything is, quote, spiritual. This whole yeah. experience is a spiritual divine experience, no matter how mundane or just unspiritual it may seem. Truly, every single moment is a divine moment. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that's what I try to do. I try to revere every moment no matter how unspiritual it may seem it seems to be that's the test that i'm i'm uh, going through at the moment it's like how can how can i just appreciate the divinity in everything even the darkness mm-hmm. even yeah even the just the stuff that doesn't seem <laughs> so spiritual on the surface level it really truly is yeah i feel that very deeply 
I feel that's mm. that's something that I've also had a lot of bias and tendency towards that labeling, judging. This isn't spiritual. That person isn't spiritual. This conversation isn't spiritual. And it's yeah. like when we're in that when we're in that mode of consciousness, we're still in separation, right? We're then yeah. perpetuating the very thing that we're that we're claiming to want to. Right, that's the beyond. irony. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, truly, Earth. I feel as though it's um. It's a, we're going to slowly find out it's a giant Sangha and we're all on the path. We're all spiritual, no matter what yeah. and we're all, um, yeah, the, the, it's really like the, the only difference is if you know it or not at this point, like Yes, if, if you know that it's spiritual or not, that's really what, that's the difference. But even then there really is no difference, but that is, if we want to try to concrete a difference, it's like, if somebody truly knows that earth is, uh, it's like an ashram and we're here to learn something. And some people don't know that, but I think eventually, I think we already talked about this. Eventually, I think we're all going to wake up to that and realize that we are in earth school here. <laughs> yeah. And we, we are still growing. Um, yeah. just some people at this point know it. Some people don't, but we're all on our own path. We all have our own way of going about it. So that's the, that's the, um, that's, it's up to us right now for us to, to recognize that, um, yeah, we all have our own way of going about this and to not judge anybody else's path because yeah. there is no anybody else. <laughs> I guess that's what you can kind of come to know as well is that like they're, even though they might not know it, it's like, there's it's still god in drag as ram das would say you know <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah i don't know that's 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 something i'm working through personally mm. at this point so how mm. can i truly just be with all the stuff and especially living in the 21st century in the western world there's, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't seem quite divine quite spiritual so how can we work with that and stay equanimous in our being that's that's how I've I I figure uh, is my path right now. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, very well said. I'm just thinking it's, out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that like what you said reminds me of a visual that I was shown a little while ago with regards to like the nature of consciousness, almost being like an octopus. Mm. And so the many we are the many tentacles, and so the tentacle can feel like if we just focus on the tentacle, the tentacle looks individualized but actually it's connected to an entire being and it's like uh, so it's like the paradox of being both the singularity and like the duality at the same time it's just a kind of we are it's an and both situation yeah we are both the individualized expression and we are also the the uh, expressor if you like Mm -hmm. yeah um the creator and the creation yeah the one so I like to say it's like we are I'm the one but you're also the one. So so who's the one? <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Just think of that how that how that is spelled. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Etymology. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. That's the dance. That's the paradox that we have to weigh. It's mm. don't get sucked more. Don't get sucked too much into I'm the one. I'm God, because like yeah. we are all God, 
But it's like, yeah, well, you're God too. So it's like, you're not that special. <laughs> <You know what>? Right. <laughs> so it's about take that essence, still revere that essence and bring that into the sense of individual expression. And I feel as though true non-duality and a non-dualist would probably argue with me at this point, but I feel as though true non-duality is this like, it's this back and forth of the paradox, um, which is mm. really, which is really one. There is, I know may seem contradictory in how I'm speaking. There really is just one the 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 absolute in the individual is just one but i feel yeah. as though in our being we express the one in our individual yeah um, so it seems like two but it's not yeah. it's not two it's yeah. non-dual yes um, yeah i don't yeah. know I, it's, it's hard to explain <laughs> I'm, I'm with you i'm with you because again it's like we're in physical we're in the physical 3d earth of reality where matter presents very much as uh individualized right like there is a there is that individualized expression but from what we were speaking about earlier you and i both sensing beyond the physical and having this kind of innate capacity to sense beyond like into the into the energetic into the energetic like we look at the energetic being like kind of an infinite field that binds the matter into being it's like yeah. there is no there this this the individualized expression of what we're seeing in the physical physical could not be possible without the energetic underpinning it and that that energetic is a singular field yeah in its vastness you know so it's like it's it's and both um mm. which is just you know it's it's mind-blowing um <laughs> yeah. to it's kind of mind-blowing to consider it's just something that we can feel if you try to think about it too much mm -hmm. it's it doesn't work like that because just it goes beyond thought it's that if we go back to the layers yeah. thing it's 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 beyond comprehension in a way it's beyond mm -hmm. thoughts beyond rationale like that that and both wavelength is truly just something that we feel and that we embody and that we become yes it's an embodiment it's been that's that to me is like how we you know when we're looking at kind of like understanding god if you like as a as a force as an intelligence it's like this to me is where words paradigms systems fall short it's like there is no way to know god with the mind yeah right there is only the experience the lived experience and so um for me this is why there is no one religion there is no one system there is no one philosophy that can ever truly claim to have dominion or monopoly over god because mm. god is not cannot cannot be contained by concepts yeah. you know cannot be contained by ideology is not bound to an ideology it's beyond all of that these are all constructs and all limitations mm -hmm. which is just the opposite of the true nature of god yeah. so it's like we can only know this force by through direct experience and direct contact um which again what to me is why the embodied path is so important yeah. um because it's like we can get so far with we can get so far with concepts and, and ideas and models which are helpful but it's really the lived experience that gets us into that felt sense place where we really begin to understand these things we're speaking about from from the felt experience yeah. and not just as concepts amen to that mm. did you ever use the word uh god or have any belief in god before this whole thing like in your earlier years of life um would you have considered yourself atheist or maybe even agnostic like did you even say god because personally i didn't i never even 
thought of anything like God. I thought it was all just nonsense. I was like, what are these people all on? Like, what do you mean? God, don't you see the world? Haven't you turned on the news? You know? mm-hmm. So, but now I use it pretty openly and I'm, I have no shame about it. So mm-hmm. um, that's huge. Yeah. Even though it is truly unfathomable, you can't um, truly talk about God. That doesn't make any sense, but I do still use it as like a, a door to the divine mystery, you know, something that we are, we are, we are involved in that goes beyond any of the five sense phenomena, like just a general sense of wonder and mystery. And I know even those words don't do it justice, but I think you can kind of grasp what I'm getting at. It's just like we're part of this eternal mystery of that God, love, infinite consciousness, source, the Tao, whatever. A lot of different labels. But would you, would you have even entertained that concept uh, before this whole journey? Um, so I was raised Catholic. Okay. So, yes, uh, but a different way. So, yeah. So, my understanding of that that intelligence of that force was very different coming from that back from that experience. You know, from that background of being raised Catholic. And I remember as a child, I was very. I had. I remember having like almost like an existential crisis at maybe six. I was very fascinated by space um, as a child and Mm -hmm. and the stars. So I had a bunk bed that I would just kind of peak I was right next to the window and I would pull the curtain aside and I would just stare at the night sky every single night was my favorite thing to do and I would consider my smallness in it all uh-huh. and I would just consider like it was it really seeded I think for me an existential crisis because I would start to think but it just goes on and on and on and on so what's the point <laughs> what's the point of me this tiny like ant you know this grain of this like grain of sand um and so being raised catholic i think i had um i did not have any felt sense embodied experience of god i remember only one experience as a child where i was in church and there was the same the same regurgitation of uh, scripture as it was every single sunday and i was looking through a window a stained glass window and the sun was shining through this window and I was maybe seven or eight years old. And I, I remember crying at how beautiful it was. Mm. And that felt like a holy experience to me. Again, something really simple where there was no particular moment where, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't anything particularly significant, so to speak, but it felt very sacred just being in contact with that felt sense experience of beauty, of love in that moment. Um, but beyond that, my experience of God was you know, God is a man uh, on a cloud hmm. who likes to punish when we sin and, you know, because there are good there are good girls and then there's the bad things to do. And it was just a, to me, just, you know, I think the 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 conditioned understanding of God from a very, very limited perspective. And that's the view I held for a long time. And then I think um, I moved to ag- agnostic, an agnostic position where. I don't think I don't think it was ever going to be part of my my beingness to be disconnected from the force of all creation. But there was a skepticism, like heavy skepticism around what that was and whether there was anything at all. And then I went through very dark, deep experiences with depression, which led me. Uh, more towards the atheist side of being agnostic, like really kind of giving up hope that there was anything. 
and then you know the the light shines um mm. you know the, there is always a dawn after those moments of darkness and slowly but surely those experiences began to uh to crack me open to to deeper meaning they forced me into finding deeper meaning in life you know and yeah. slowly i began to make contact with that lived experience of what we might call god um and i'm realizing in my life like again i think this is the church programming that can be like we can think that in order to communion to have communion with god or to be able to experience and embody that that intelligence that there is some sacred one there is one moment where it's all going to just like it's going to be like a sacred and that everything is just like like you know the heavens will open and it's the like actually mm -hmm. the hallelujah moment and it's like actually it's just it can be felt and experienced in the most mundane of experiences at the physical level yeah. there is no one there is no one way there's no one condition um and so yeah now my understanding of god is i think similar to your own and and very very different and very divorced from what i used to think and i think um i find it very interesting this is something i was actually going to ask you about because i see i've seen within my own personal network and i've seen within the wider spiritual community people moving from what you could call new age spirituality back to christianity i'm seeing this movement a lot are you noticing this oh yeah and I'm wondering, like, I'm very curious about this. You know, I like to try and understand from the inside out what a person's embodied experience is to have taken them from a more perhaps expanded um, way of viewing consciousness back into back into this kind of um, back into this system, so to speak, of religion or, or of um, viewing the world through the, the the lens of religion. And I'm curious about like that. Do you have any? Do you have any sense of what is driving that movement? Hmm. Probably because those religions and traditions are, they're already established. They already have like a framework for one to reference. And I do believe if one goes through the, um, the new age philosophy in the correct way, you can approach the the framework of traditional religion in a different way where you can see the truth in that because i do believe they are they have been corrupted over the years but i do believe they have a fundamental essence of truth behind them like i do believe i do believe jesus uh he'd be considered new age back in his day you know yeah, yeah. i think he what he was saying is the same thing that we're trying to say here just he just used different language and it was 2000 years ago and among many other masters of other traditions you know the truth is the truth and the wise call it by many names i really do believe that all traditions i believe there's really only one religion and all these other religions are trying to culminate that religion in their own way in their own culture in their own framework um, mm. but ultimately this there is there is truth right but we you can never describe it like we said so it really doesn't matter what symbol what language you want to use to describe it um it's just whatever resonates with you i guess whatever whatever symbol you want to use to remind yourself of your own innate di divinity then go with that as long as you don't mistake the symbol for what it's really trying to show you you know the finger pointing at the moon um example that i'm pretty sure everybody has heard before um there's plenty of different fingers there's plenty of fingers pointing at the moon so traditional religions are just very um they're just very archaic and and i guess 
what's the word I'm looking for? They, they, they've just been around for a while. So they're easy to reference. Like they're easy to go mm-hmm. to with a keen eye. If you, if you know how to approach it with a keen eye, mm-hmm. you, can, you can feel the truth in the words with the right yes. interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's what, that's why I believe, I mean, personally speaking, yeah, I believe I've come to understand Jesus's word um, a lot more recently. Like I used to be like what is what what's up what's up with this jesus cares about him but now i understand where people are coming from with it or at least where i'm sorry where jesus is coming from with it if you truly know like what he's talking about it's like oh that makes sense um and it's just got distorted over yeah. thousands and thousands of years when you said you know i'm the son of god um well yeah but it's like, I think he was trying to tell everybody else that they're the son of God as well. <laughs> you know? yeah. But we got lost at him just saying he's the son of God. So now everybody thinks he's like the incarnation of of God, like this, this perfected being, which maybe he is, that could be taken as another interpretation. But what I'm trying to say is that like, uh, it's people are going back to those because there is, there is an essence of truth in traditional religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can truly, you can understand it if you already understand that within yourself. I think if you can, if you know what they're trying to say, um, you know what they're trying to say because you've actually embodied that. Like you actually have that essence of truth, that kernel of truth per se within yourself. So when you do approach whatever religion it is, you just approach it differently. And mm-hmm. yeah, it just you ultimately don't need it but it's it's up to the person whatever you need as a reminder to have as a sort of faith you know i think we talked about that we touched upon that whatever mm-hmm. you need to come back into that faith orientation then then do that but mm-hmm. ultimately if you start from the outside first you start from a book or somebody else's preaching first and yeah. try to get that truth from the outside per se it doesn't work like that but if you do start with the inside do the inner work from yourself have that direct realization and approach the scripture after that, then I think it can be actually very useful ultimately to remind oneself of their innate divinity. Yes. Yeah. Beautifully said. Mm. Yeah. But it all comes down to us. Ultimately, like you have to do the work. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody in a collared shirt that speaks well is going to do it for you. No podcast is going to do it for you. No book. Truly. We all have to go on this on this journey, on this path of unveiling the true self, one may say, uh, all in our own accord. Um, I agree. And I think this, this to me is where like, I see this kind of resurgence of connection to the church. But what I'm seeing really is this connection to like Jesus led movements, specifically yeah. Jesus led movements where people are really like Jesus is King. Um, and, uh, this this connection to um yeah as you said idolizing someone as the the perfect incarnation of god and and everyone else being like a lesser a lesser being to some degree there's like a hierarchy there what i think the kind of danger in that is is that we're well a we're outsourcing we're outsourcing our ability to to know god to again something external right and there's 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 a lack of sovereignty in that if we're choosing to believe that our only ability, our only ability to communion, to have communion with God is through another being, there's no sovereignty in that. We're not yeah. recognizing the truth of our own being. Um, but I think also like 
yeah I don't know I just I find it kind of curious there's there's a lot of like attachment to like a lot of attachment to this is kind of where I find it a bit confusing like the bible the bible's word being definitive like being actual gospel right and it's mm -hmm. like what I find kind of curious about that is the gospel was also written by men per se humans with who are innately um you know partly animal and therefore have an egoic consciousness and maybe even an agenda yeah. how can we ever point to one doctrine one thing as being truth and this is where i see this movement like i've had several people in my personal network doing this this 180 and going back to religion in a in a fierce way of kind of attaching to the bible attaching to jesus and to me it's like a regression of like so you're going to attaching to um uh, uh something that was ultimately formulated by humans right the bible being a kind of a, an outpouring of, of of human understanding and expression um and you're attaching to that as being the way rather than your own embodied experience and that was the original point i wanted to get to that mm. i think we could it could easily cultivate a spiritual culture of bypassing Yeah. of of spiritual bypassing and avoiding doing shadow work i'm gonna i'm a if we just all held this belief like i'm innately wrong i'm innately unworthy and jesus took all of my it's like come on where's the accountability in that where's the responsibility for your own consciousness from the fact that you are an evolutionary being you know it's like and this is where i see it being it can be helpful like i almost see jesus as a bridge like when we're trying to understand the concept of god it's so abstract it's so it's so intangible it's so it's something that cannot be as we said contained defined mm -hmm. and so having a figure that we could say is the personification of that force makes uh, understanding the frequency of the divine more tangible so to me like jesus has become a bridge for people to access that that frequency And and there's nothing wrong in that, as we've said. Like if it connects a person to truth and to faith, that's great. But it's, it's like at some point we have to take the training wheels off. Yeah. And so when we use Jesus or even the Bible as as part of our training, it's just recognizing that they are bridges to truth and not the absolute truth in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. As Eckhart Tolle says, everything is just a finger pointing to the truth. You know, everything in this in this material experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that you've I think you've you've uh, summarized it well in your experience. And just this is a conversation I'm very curious about purely because I've seen so many people in the spiritual community kind of doing this this turn. And I also think that perhaps uh, it's possible there's there is a lot out there in the non-physical realms that isn't pleasant that can feel very very dark. And I think that the two people that I knew that had have gone this gone down this particular route i think connected with darkness they were channels mm. um and they connected with darkness uh, what we could perceive as darkness possibly even what we might perceive as the demonic and i think that scared them so much this this almost uncharted territory of the astral plane that you know as you said religion is a framework it's a system it feels safe we know it yeah. you know and so it's almost like using again that frequency of like the faith in the system to get to a place of safety within ourselves and that makes us actually spiritually much more resilient even though 
at some point we need to learn to embody that ourselves without outsourcing it to a system. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Mm. Yeah. It can be used as a sense of um, outsourcing. I like that word and bypassing like mm. relying on Jesus as King. Like that makes sense. Yeah. I understand like there, it's good to have a, a personal example of somebody that is the perfect being per se and he died for our sins per se but that doesn't mean we give up the journey to perfection i think that's where a lot of people get lost in it it's like somehow mm -hmm. in the rhetoric he died for our sins so you know god forgives all because he gave his one and only son to be sacrificed so we we don't have to become like him or saint like because it's already it's like what what's the point if all of our sins are already forgiven but that's that's not the word. That's the opposite of the word. That's not the true meaning of the gospel. The I guess that my interpretation of it, and I believe this is the true interpretation of it, it's that he, if he was in the story, if he was or wasn't, either way, the story still holds. Um, what I'm trying to say is like, if he was a real being, if he wasn't, it doesn't really matter. His story is that he was the perfected being. He was the one with, he was the sinless being. Um, and we have to follow him not as an idol but we follow in his footsteps and that's how we become more godlike we, we become mm -hmm. you know the the adage what would jesus do it's like remember that at all times and that's how we follow that's how we follow god that's how we um become the almost perfected being even though how <laughs> we started this whole thing there is no perfection right we're always striving for for, for perfection jesus is that like he is the example, right? But just mm. don't don't use the example as somehow, some way along the years, we use the example as like, he's perfect. I'm never going to be at that. Thankfully, he was here to show us perfection. So he saved us in a way. Somehow it got like mixed up like that. And mm. we do these weird rituals because of that. But it's like, no, no, no. The story is that, yeah, he was here. He showed us what perfection is to give us a, a sort of lifestyle to attain this sense of perfection in our lives. It gives us like a, a eternal purpose to refine ourselves, refine our imperfections, to come into a state of perfection. Even though it might not ever be perfected, it, it gives us this, the, the Messiah, right, is, is, this, is this ideation of perfection so that we always have something to live for in a way. You know, there's always a sense of hope, like that faith, is not it's like that it's that faith is not some kind of outward faith that we attach to some kind of so, some ideal some something out there it's no it's a, it's inward faith that we find mm. through jesus's life i think that's the true interpretation of it mm. um so yeah i'm going off on a little tangent here but as long as somebody uses jesus as as a reflection for for something in their own life so for something that they can embody in their own life that's what really matters yeah. Uh, once we get lost and he was the son of God, um, he was perfect. I can't be perfect. Then you're you're missing the point. Yeah, you're missing the point. And it's yeah. funny because it may seem contradictory. Like, if perfection can truly not be achieved, what's the point in chasing perfection? Right? It's like no, it's it's actually not like that. It's, it's somehow I don't know how better to describe it. It's like yeah, even though perfection not may not be um something that we get to like a point like oh i am the perfected being it doesn't mean we don't strive for that like there's yeah. still 
there's still like this sense of striving for perfection, but it's like striving without the attachment for striving too. It's also like, ah, it's effortless. I don't know how to explain it. It's mm-hmm. like, that's the way to like find the sense of peace in life. I feel like is to by refining our character, by becoming that more angelic like being, by mm-hmm. kind of growing out of the animalistic instinct. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm going off on a little rant here. Sorry, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. It's, it's all about just following in Jesus's footsteps and not holding, not even Jesus, anybody, any guru right? Any teacher, it's not holding them as being better or higher. It's just as an example for us, you know, always come back in. It's, it's all about personal accountability. Yeah. This whole thing. Yes. Come back in, come back into the heart. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And that I feel is going to be the big, like that's the big journey that I think humanity has to make in order to become spiritually mature is to take responsibility. Cause I think we have been conditioned to outsource responsibility to our governments to a guru to a system to a way of thinking or being um and we've then in that in that state of doing that become kind of perpetually identified with being the victim with being the martyr with being in some kind of degree of you know like separation or hierarchy or whatever you want to say and so it's like this spiritual maturation process is for me in my personal experience really about taking accountability for our consciousness and actually for me that was how i moved out of what we would label as depression uh, and that's what kind of the mainstream labels as depression what shifted 10 years of a very kind of chronic and insidious experience with my own consciousness was to recognize that on some level i was still choosing to believe it i was still choosing to believe the narrative of depression that I was, mm. that it was hopeless, right? If you think about like the story of depression, it's hopeless. There's no, there's no, nothing's going to change. Like I feel empty, blah, blah, blah. These are all still stories, which when we think them enough and we feel them enough, they feel very compelling, but they're yeah. still, they're still stories. They're still programs. They're still limitations, right? And so it's like, we have to, when we're dealing with something like depression, we have to be able to cultivate the level of awareness to be able to see beyond that compelling paradigm. And to take responsibility for the fact that on some level we're still investing in it if we feel that. Yeah. And that's what really liberated me. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's what it's all about. It's finding some kind of personal sense of sovereignty. Yeah. 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 <sighs> wow. Rich. Rich stuff. Good stuff. Rich. For sure. yeah. 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 We've been talking for a while. Whoa, it's seven. Holy moly. <laughs> it's like yeah. two hours. Yeah. Two hours. I was thinking like maybe it's six, seven no. o'clock here. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, these things are very a very meditative experience. Yeah. It's transcending it's time. A hundred percent. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know what we can conclude. Um, I guess it's all about we all got our own journey to this thing. It's all about uh, going within ourselves, finding that sense of that little that little kernel of truth and then truly embodying that truth mm. in the best way possible in the world and and especially for our own being for our own sense of sanity and peace and happiness mm. in this life but i i believe we're all capable of it. every single okay. human being is capable of finding that little that essence of love that essence of god within um and ultimately uh becoming anew and becoming Coming, uh, I was gonna say better person. I don't know if better. There's no better or worse, but I guess it is a sense of betterment. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> well, yeah. Do you have any anything else you want to say? Any last words for the pod? I think we can wrap this thing uh, up. Yeah, I would. I would echo what you said that this this thing is all about love and and mm-hmm. really just in the spaces in between where we don't feel connected to that truth, um, being consistent with our efforts to connect to it, even when even when it's not the embodied experience, right? And like yeah. for me, this is the le- the message that I would leave on with regards to the world we're entering into, like this new age that's unfolding, where things I think are going to feel very tumultuous uh, at the material level. Um, what is going to keep us afloat, I think, individually and collectively is um, orientating ourselves towards love, truth, faith, even in moments when we can't directly contact them. And, uh, and uh, you know, as we said, with personal accountability and personal responsibility, um, like what I found on my own journey is that much of what we're doing really is just reparenting ourselves it's like we are actually trying to instead of outsourcing our ability to feel loved and safe to actual parents we are becoming the holding chamber for our own um like pure self if you like and so it's like how can we as during this this kind of really intense awakening process like how can we continue to make loving choices for ourselves even when at times we're not going to want to and it's the Mm. discipline of that and as someone that's been historically really indisciplined and historically really like scattered with my energy and not good with structure, like being able to cultivate consistency, discipline, dedication, devotion in our day-to-day lives to the things that are truly nourishing beyond like the instant gratification of like a chocolate bar or a bubble bath. It's like deeper love. What's yeah. deeply nourishing, as you said, for our spiritual hygiene, like at the beginning of this podcast, you said like, what can we input that's going to be more nourishing so that our output is more impactful, effective, loving. It's like really just orientating ourselves towards truly nourishing inputs, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for the individual. And it's going to be different for everyone. And um, I would just, you know, for anyone that's in that evolutionary space now who feels like, well, it's challenging being a human like continue with the nourishing loving inputs in a really in a truly meaningful way for yourself and you will slowly begin to make your way back to contact with that with that loving space well said well said yeah it's a it's about a deeper devotion yeah right back to back to yoga that's that feels like my path the path of devotion in some form or another and i think that many people I connect with perhaps even yourself feel that feel that devotion to devotion to love devotion to truth yeah mm. sure mm. yep thank you no Gary it's been, yeah I <laughs> to me like this is this is what it's all about right it's about yeah. these like really being uh, being like stewards of this consciousness yeah. being like like and, and pioneers pioneers of this consciousness like each mm-hmm. and every one of us has the potential to do that mm-hmm. and it's like this is just what when i connect with beings like yourself and other people on this path it just reinvigorates me to remember like yeah this is why we're here <laughs> like in our own small way mm-hmm. yeah love it thank you so much it's been beautiful thank you thank you yeah definitely a beautiful time Oh man. Yeah. I appreciate your time, effort, and wisdom that you brought to this conversation. Um, yeah. Appreciate anybody that listened this long. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> shout out to you guys. <laughs> yeah, shout out. You're a real one if you listen this long. Um, yeah, let's keep on keeping on. Keep on being these pioneers, these uh, servants, these stewards, stewards of love, right? Servants of love. Yes. Servants of love. I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what we're here for. It's the good stuff. <laughs> it's the good stuff. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, thank you, Natasha. I appreciate you. Keep um, on doing your thing. You're thank definitely you, a wise one. You're a real one. Um, don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I echo that sentiment back to you. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone that was listening. For sure, for sure. Peace and love. Peace and love, everybody. Bye.